Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. food, as Kaylee was saying, giving us sweets. And Lent reminds us of hunger, right? Because we're going to give up something. And, and hunger is one of those things that is like, it's powerful. Hunger, hunger is powerful. And it's a good thing, right? Because hunger reminds us that we must eat. Uh, but the thing about hunger is that if you don't feed it, if you don't deal with it, it can cause all kinds of problems. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this um, uh, trick that Snickers did in 2013, uh, they actually bought a whole bunch of misspelled words uh, on Google in their little um, SEO program. And so anytime people search for something on Google and misspelled a word, word uh, they were hit with an ad from Snickers with their campaign that says, you're not you when you're hungry. And so we got a couple of pictures of that campaign. I'll show you real quick. They capitalize on the fact that sometimes when we're not when we're hungry, uh, we get this sort of hangry attitude about us. And uh, they came up with this, this little uh, campaign. They came up with different words on the Snickers bars for all the kinds of symptoms we get when we're hungry. Take a look at this. Are you familiar with any of these when you're hungry? The reality is hunger is powerful. And if we don't feed it, we get what we call Hangry, combination of hunger and anger, right? Hangry. How many of you get hangry when you're hungry? Right? Yeah, lots of us do. And the thing about it is whatever you hunger for will dominate your life. Whatever you hunger for will dominate your life. Every one of us has a hunger that goes beyond our physical needs for food. We have a hunger. I, I find that when I, um, when I talk to people, when I pastor people, when I do group settings, the one thing it seems that's very common for many of us is we, ha we have a sentence that goes like this. I am not blank enough, right? I am not, what, pretty enough, smart enough, educated enough, um, successful enough. I'm not uh, clever enough. I'm not wise enough. I think most of us, to some extent, have that hunger for something something that makes us feel somewhat unfulfilled. And that lack, that thing that's missing, like we could say we all have something that's missing. We instinctively know that we're not full yet and there's something we need to fulfill that. We all express that differently, right? Some of us want to fill that hole with stuff, right? Whether it's, you know, clothes or shoes or cars or watches or bigger houses or uh, bigger cars, fancier cars, jet airplanes, you name it, right? Sometimes people fill that hole with a need for success. So they want a big business. They want more education, another PhD, more accomplishments, the gold medal, right? Uh, some people are, are seeking for that, to fill that hole with people. They want more followers on social media. They want more friends. They want, they want to have a lot of people around them. And they search to serve others so they can have that connection some people need adoration. They just need to be liked. They just feel a need to be liked and to be seen. I, I, that's mine. I don't know about yours, but mine is this need to be seen. I don't know where it came from. I, for me, it was 
Maybe my dad left when I was a baby and my mom was so busy raising seven kids, but, but I've always grown up with this desire to be seen and to be like, anybody with me? Anybody wants to be like, like me? And, and that just wrecked havoc in my life because since I, that was such a driver for me, I, I did a lot of things associated with wanting to be liked and things that were really harmful to me and to others. You know, first guy that liked me and asked me to marry him, I said, yes. I mean, the guy liked me. That was good for me, you know? And so, and that just created a journey for me that, that was painful. And so that, that has been a way, a hole that I have to work very hard at filling with something else. Because if I fill it with, with just wanting to be liked and doing whatever it takes to be liked, I'm going to for sure poison myself, right? With the wrong thing. And I think that's sort of a reality for all of us. And I wonder, what are you hangry for? What is the hole in your heart that you're trying to fill? And what are you trying to fill it with? This morning, as we look at God's word, what I want us to, uh, kind of the one thing, if you forget anything else I say, I want you to walk out with this one statement in your mind. Is that is, you're going to be spiritually hangry forever if you don't feast on Jesus. Right? Say that again. You're going to be forever hangry if you don't feast on Jesus. And so we're going to look at God's word and we're going to see how it is important that we choose wisely what we fill that hole, that thing that's missing in our hearts. And Isaiah, a great words of reminder, Isaiah 52, it's 55, it says this. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the riches of fare. Watch carefully what you feed that hole with, and you'll see the difference, right? When it comes to our deepest hungers, it's important that we pursue that which is good for us, not that which is going to poison us. And God, God is eager and willing to satisfy that deep hunger that you have. Whether or not you already have your trust in Jesus or you never have, the reality is all of us, all the time, have to deal because one day we will be made whole. We are in process, right? All of us are being conformed into the image of his son. We haven't yet arrived. So we all still carry that little hole in us. And we always must be aware and cognizant to fill it with Jesus and Jesus alone. He tells us he is enough. And so today's passage comes from uh, John, the chap chapter six of John, which is uh, a long chapter, and man, if I could teach on the whole thing, it would be so much better, but you don't want me to do that. I will be here all day. So I'm just going to read a few of the verses from verse 35 to verse 40, just to, so you see what I'm going to talk about today. So let me read that um, over you. It says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will who sent, of him who sent me, that I shall not lose that I, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, 
And we acknowledge that every one of us knows that there's something missing, and we seek sometimes the wrong things to fill that void. Lord, would you prepare for us through your word a feast that we walk out of here today feeling fuller than when we first came in? Many of my brothers and sisters are tired. They might be getting over some illness. They might be, they might be dealing with a battle in their lives, a physical battle, emotional battle, a relational battle. Lord, would you feed us? Would you comfort us? Would you strengthen us? Would you fight the battles against the enemy? As we sang today, nothing can stand against us because you are for us. So, Lord, we, we look to you to be our bread this morning. We want to hear your voice, speak to your people, love on your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. The context of this story, this happened right after Jesus did one of his mighty miracles. He fed a huge crowd of people. It said that uh, Jesus was going around doing all kinds of miracles, and many people started to follow him. Thousands, uh, in the scripture it says 5,000 men, which included then women and children, so maybe about 15,000 people now were gathering and following Jesus wherever he went. And so they, he had this large crowd of people, and he's teaching, and he realizes, hey, these people haven't eaten. We need to do something about it. And he looks at his disciples, and they go, well, Jesus, we don't have the budget for that. You know, we don't, we don't have the money. We don't even know where we're going to get enough food for all these people. We only have five fish, I'm sorry, two fish and five loaves of bread. That's it. Jesus says, no problem. Start disseminating it. And in that moment, this bread continues to multiply so that every man, woman, and child eats as much as they wanted, and there was still left over. Amazing miracle happens. And of course, the people see Jesus do this miracle, and they decide, oh my goodness, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the prophet. And these people were waiting for one that would help them defeat the Roman Empire help free the Jewish people from oppression. And so they seek to capture Jesus and make him their king, and he knows it, so he flees. He goes off uh, onto the ocean and um, into the uh, Galilee uh, Sea, and he goes away from them, and he, another miracle happens there. There's, he calms the oceans, but we won't go into that. That's a little, little miracle there, sort of. Uh, but he comes back to the land, and the people see him again, and they come after him. They're like, hey, Rabbi, why did you leave us? When did you get here? And what we see is that these people had been searching for the wrong food. They had been searching for, for a savior, yes, but he, they were searching for the wrong savior, and Jesus knew it. And so he tells them, he says this to them in verse 26, he says, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus tells them, you don't, you don't really want me. You want to use me for what you want. You want to just come to me and, and ask me to continue to do for you what you want. And you don't understand, I've come for a purpose, a very specific purpose. And the miracles that I'm doing are to reveal who I am. Not, not, it's not for the miracles themselves. It's not for just what I do with the miracles, for you to see who I am. And the reality is most of us, like these people, are searching for the wrong spiritual food. We're looking for Jesus. We're even looking for the wrong Jesus. We're looking for the Jesus that will make us smarter, nicer, kinder, Jesus that will 
make our lives a little bit better, but are we looking for God in the flesh? Are we looking for a relationship with our creator? That's a whole different thing. And sometimes when we feed ourselves with the whole thing, we actually poison ourselves. Years ago, I was um, having all kinds of problems and I went to the doctor and she said, you know, you've got a, a bit of uh, what's called hypoglycemia. And that's when your body sugar drops and you actually crave for sugar because you're, 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 you lose energy. And of course, as soon as I would have that feeling, I would just go for candy bars and Oreo cookies. Oh, you can't see it, but I got my Oreo cookie socks on. They're so cute. They don't match my outfit, but they're so cute. I love sweet stuff. And I, I always would go for the sweet stuff to deal with that craving. And the problem with that is actually I was making myself worse. She explained to me is that if you go after those sweets all the time, you're actually going to increase your hypoglycemia. And so what was interesting is I was actually making myself sicker trying to solve the problem. Sometimes we do that spiritually, don't we? What are you feasting on that's actually making you spiritually sicker instead of helping you? That's what these people do. Searching for the wrong thing will create a level of confusion. When people were searching for Jesus, but they were searching for the wrong Jesus, they were looking at the signs he performed instead of looking at him. In John 6, 14, it says, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come to the world. The prophet. They didn't see God. They saw some prophet. He, he did these amazing miracles, and they could not connect that with God in their presence. All they saw were signs, and they wanted to see more signs. You know, this is like driving from here to Sacramento. You get on the 405 freeway, and you get on the road, and it, it, you see the first sign, Sacramento, 420 miles. You go, nice sign. And you keep driving, and you see another sign, Sacramento, 415 miles. Nice sign. And you're driving all the way to Sacramento. You finally get to Sacramento, and you look for a sign that tells you you actually arrived in, Sandy, in Sacramento. Like you just want another sign instead of recognizing, oh, I'm in Sacramento. So it's the same idea. People were looking at the signs. were so enamored by the signs of Jesus. They totally missed Jesus. God was right in front of them. It can confuse us when we spiritually feed on the wrong thing. And some people even thought Jesus, they went... They would either want to his signs or they rejected him altogether. Some of them said, he's, he's demon-possessed, raving mad. Why anybody should listen to him? So it creates one extreme or the other. Either we want to use Jesus or we reject him altogether when we misunderstand who he is. And searching for the wrong food, spiritual food will actually result in our blindness to see him for who he is. In verse 30, they said, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? They're like, okay, Jesus, prove yourself to us. Moses did some miracles, and so we want to see what you can do. Would you prove yourself to us? Moses gave us manna from heaven, which they didn't even know what that was. He's going, okay, Jesus, why don't you show us your powers? Incredible, these people are still asking Jesus for yet one more miracle. How many miracles does it take for you to believe that Jesus was right in front of you, right? But these people, they wanted one more, one more miracle, Jesus. Hey, thanks for the last one. That was a really good meal. We want one more. Are you asking 
Jesus to do more miracles before you choose to believe and trust him? Isn't that a tendency that we fall into? You know, God, if you did this for me, then I, one more thing, one more thing. But when you look back at your life, isn't it so that Jesus has already done many miracles in your life? Many miracles. Jesus is food for the mind. The first thing he does is he tries to explain to them, your mind must be renewed. You have to think differently. The reason I did these miracles was to demonstrate to you who I am. You have to, your expectations are wrong. And so you have to change the way you think. He says, they ask him, they said, what must we do to do the work that God requires? What must we do so that you will do for us, right? And Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one you have sent. What do you start with? You have to change your mind. You have to believe Jesus is the food you and I need. Jesus is the only one that can fill the hole in your heart. Jesus is the only one that can fulfill the void you know you have. Jesus is the only one that can make you and I enough. He's the only one that can give us the peace we desperately seek for. But we must rethink. We must renew the way we look at him. Not as one to just give us stuff, but the God creator, the one who loves us, the one who gave it all for us. He came to feed us, feed our minds with the truth, right? Sometimes when I talk to somebody from a different faith, I, I kind of tiptoe, you know, when they're, when they're telling me about their faith and, and they're believing in something else, I'm a little nervous to say, you know, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the only way. Even though I honestly believe it, I, I, I get nervous that I'm going to be like an intolerant person that, that people complain about. And so I, I, don't, I don't speak all that boldly, but Jesus was bold. I mean, he just didn't put it kindly, nicely. He just like, I'm it. There is no other. He just put it out there. He said, this is my purpose is for you to know who I am. I am the only way. In fact, in, in John 4, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. His work was to reveal God to others. His work is to reveal God's purpose of forgiveness to others. That's it. He came to say, I am the way. I am the truth. There's no other way but through me. And he did not tiptoe around that. That's why his message was so offensive to many and why it's still offensive to many today. Because some will reject them. Some rejected Jesus then, and they will reject them today. And so why should we tiptoe when we share with someone else? We must understand that when someone rejects what we share with them, they're not rejecting you and I. They're rejecting Jesus. And that's happened in the past. Jesus can live with that. He knows that some, it, it hurts that, that happens. But he knows that some will, right? Jesus is food for the body. The crowds point back to Moses who fed them into the desert. They were wandering around for 40 years and God rained down this sort of flaky snow-like bread that came down from heaven. They didn't know what to call it, so they call it manna, which means what is it? And God fed the people through this bread and it lasted only one day for exception of Saturday where it lasted two days. It was a temporary food. Jesus is a... It's an eternal food. In John 36, 32, it says this. Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life 
to the world. See, Jesus is now that eternal bread that can feed us, that can care for us in our body. And the bread that God gave the people of Israel was actually a bread that was sweet to the taste. Uh, in Exodus 16, it says that the manna was what, like white coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. I mean, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It was sweet to the taste. It was sweet and good to eat. And uh, that reminds me of the psalmist who writes, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Jesus comes to feed our bodies. And, and not that he, ex- you know, obviously you, you had breakfast maybe this morning and you're about to have lunch. It's not that we're not going to eat any more food because let's face it, Jesus is going to feed our food. But our bodies deal with anxiety. Jesus is the one that can help us through that. Our bodies deal with depression, right? Our mind, depression. Jesus is the bread that can deal with that. Whatever you might need, as Kaylee was sharing today, we need healing. Jesus is the one that can care for our bodies. We can trust him to do so. And we must feed on that which is eternal versus feeding on that which is just temporary. And people were so enamored with what Moses did, which was just something that God did, not even Moses. And even that was temporary. Now Jesus comes and says, I am the eternal bread, the eternal bread that you need. Feast on me. And then comes that famous statement in verse 35, where he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now that's a bold statement. It's one of the first I am statements in the gospel, according to John. Seven I am statements where Jesus compares himself to the great I am who revealed himself to Moses. And here Jesus says, I am it, and there will be no hunger, no thirst, if if people come to me and believe in me. Which, does that sound a little arrogant to you? I mean, it's like, I mean, he is bold. He's saying, I am it. I am, this is who I am. I mean, it's like me saying to you, hey, I'm so glad you came to the chapel this Sunday because I'm like the best preacher of Mariners. I got it. And you'd be like, that is really gross. I'm walking out, right? But Jesus is not weak about the way he says it. And he's certainly not arrogant in the way he says it. He states a fact. That which we're trying to feed ourselves with will never satisfy. And he has to put it to us as black and white as it gets. You come to me, you will not hunger. You believe in me, you will not thirst. And those statements, let's break them down for a minute, because the word for hunger that he uses and the word for thirst uh, sounds like, you know, maybe the hunger you get uh, around 1130 or so when it's time for lunch and you're, okay, it's time for another meal. But the word he uses in the Greek is actually a different kind of hunger. It's starve. Those who are starved and come to me, they will not be starved again. Those who are thirsty to the point where there is pain, where you've gone days and days without water, or maybe you're out in the desert and the sun's beating on you and your lips are cracked and your tongue is stuck to the roof of your mouth. That kind of thirst will end if you believe in Jesus. And it's a huge kind of statement that he makes to them. He declares, I am the bread of life. Now, you and I are familiar with bread. It's one of the most common food staples. We, uh, every, practically every nation has some sort of bread. 
Uh, Jim and I love uh, the, the bread naan in, from India. Oh, my goodness. When we were in India, we just ate that bread like crazy. We love bread. How many of you love bread? How many of you gave up bread for Lent? Aw, that's going to be hard, honey. That's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. You know, bread is one of those things we, we love, and it's one of those, it's very satisfying. Now, the bread that we eat today, which is processed, uh, doesn't last very long. You eat it, you're hungry pretty quick because of the way it's processed. But the bread that was made at the time Jesus said this was made of whole grain, barley especially. And barley digests slowly so that you're full for a longer time. So isn't that an interesting picture that Jesus used of himself? I am the bread of life. I am what's going to sustain you for a long time, specifically for eternity, for eternity. And it's a gift. He goes on, and this is one of those passages that you read, you're like, what is Jesus saying? He goes on and says, this is the bread. It's my flesh, my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You have to eat my flesh. You have to drink my blood. And that's one of those moments where you're like, whoa, Jesus, you kind of lost us here now. But the idea is you have to be consumed with me. You have to consume me fully. There's no little commitment. It's not Jesus plus. Let me take a little dab at Jesus. Let me take a little nibble with Jesus, and, and then I'll eat all these other things too. Jesus is saying, that's not going to work. You have to fully, fully fill your desperate need, your deep thirst, your deep hunger with me, he says. I am it. I am the only, I am the only one that can satisfy the whole in your heart. You have to be consumed with me. You will be forever hangry if you don't consume, you don't feast on Jesus. He says, I am the eternal bread. In, in verse uh, 58, he says, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and they died. That did not last. But whoever feeds on this bread, the bread of Jesus, will live forever. You know, and at this point, after saying all this, which was so like I mean, it was so in your face. There was no room for anyone to say, well, I have doubts or I have, I don't know, Jesus. I, I'm not sure about, but there was no room for that. All that crowd, they left Jesus. Now, there were 15,000 people, maybe 20,000 people following Jesus. And he speaks truth that is hard to hear for people. He's saying, I am it. I'm it. And most people left. Most people left. Now, you know, we like crowds. We're enamored with crowds. Yeah, last Easter, we had 25,000 people show up at the church. Oh, Ash Wednesday, we had 1,800 people show up. We love crowds. But Jesus didn't want just crowds. He wanted believers. He wanted people that actually trusted in him. He wanted people that were consumed with him so that he could give them eternal life. He didn't care about just having crowds. Everybody left him. And he tells his followers, he says, are you going to leave me too, the disciples? And they say, where else could I go? Peter says, There's no, you alone have the words of life. Only in you can I receive what I need. And so the question for you and I for today is what are you counting on? What are you feasting on that's leaving you more and more angry, more desperate? Like when I had hypoglycemia and I kept eating sugar and making myself worse, what are, you, what are you filling your heart with? What do you need to say no to and say yes to instead to what Jesus is offering? What does Jesus need to feed you with today? 
Let's just take a minute. Think about that. Deuteronomy 8 says this, people do not live by bread alone, rather by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus alone will satisfy our deepest desires. There's no other place to go. So here's the difference. When we seek to satisfy our desires from the things of this world, when we seek to simply satisfy on our own accord, Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians that Essentially, we will find ourselves in a battle because our flesh desires what is contrary to what the spirit wants. Paul gives us two lists. This is what it looks like to be hangry and filling ourselves with the wrong thing. And this is what it looks like when we fill ourselves with Jesus. If we're feeding ourselves with what the flesh desires, we're going to fall into sexual immorality, according to Paul, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, uh, envy, drunkenness. I mean, he goes on. When we are feasting with the wrong thing, we're eventually going to land in those kinds of things. When we are feasting on Jesus through the power of the Spirit, we are filled with love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And now we are fully changed through the feast of Jesus. Now today, as we take communion, which is a symbol of Jesus giving up his body for us, and we, we dip that bread onto the cup, which is a symbol of his blood, I want us to think about whatever our hunger was and whatever we were filling it with, to replace that and feast on Jesus. So this morning, some of you might need to take more than one piece of communion. And that's okay. We got plenty. This morning, as you come to the table, come with the intention on feasting on Jesus. He tells us this on verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which is the son, the son of man will give you. Jesus wants you to know that he is enough. And that because he is enough, then you're enough. As we sang Amazing Grace today, that we will be reminded his grace is all that we need. And we can trust him with our desperate needs. And so would you stand with me as we prepare for communion? I want to read to you from that last day when when Jesus had um, the, the communion. This is from uh, 1 Corinthians, what Paul wrote. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For wherever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes. Father, as we prepare our hearts to come and respond by taking communion, Lord, would you do the miraculous thing? Would you fill our hearts? Would you fill that void, whatever that void was that we identified? Would you, would you give us a sense, Lord, of your goodness this morning, your presence, O oh God, that we might walk out of here, Lord, feeling a sense of being replenished, refreshed, receiving all that we ask for through your power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, would you care for each and every person as you know. You know the needs in this room. Every person, you know what they need. Speak to each and every one of them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so you can respond by taking communion, lighting the candles, going to the confessional wall, the offering boxes. But again, this morning, come and feast on the Lord Jesus. Go ahead. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and His work together. Thanks again.